The four candles is traditionally called the angel candle. The angels are God's messengers who announce the coming of the Lord. The angel Gabriel spoke to Mary and Joseph to announce the birth of Jesus. The angel sang out with joy to proclaim Jesus' birth to the shepherds. The angel Michael announced the coming of Christ again and the revelation in the revelation to John. We hear angels' voices even today and wait with joy for Jesus. Luke 2, 8 through 14. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see... I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those who he he favors. Gracious Lord, let your angels' voices call to us now that we may receive good news of great joy. May that joyful good news of Jesus and his coming to Bethlehem change our lives and give us hope for when he comes again in power. Amen. Well, like I said the last time, it's always a joy to be with you. I didn't expect it would be this soon. But I kind of had an inkling because my buddy Bruce, don't tell him I said this, at times he tends to bite off a little more than he can chew. And uh, when I knew he was having knee surgery, the second knee replacement surgery, and uh, the first one took its toe on him, and uh, the second one is taking its toll on him. I was over to see him, oh, let me see, it was yesterday. And uh, spent some time with him that afternoon. And he's still using a walker, you know, to get around in his house. So keep him in your prayers. It's uh, tough sailing for him right now. And I'm sure he would appreciate it. He'd love to be here. And uh, sends his greetings to you all. Um, last week, we had the shepherd's candle. We talked a lot about shepherds, and we talked about the angel announcement. So this week, the angel's candle, and I'm like, they have the same passage. And I thought we covered it all last week. Well, we didn't. We were selective in what we covered, so we're going to expand on some of that this week, but let's take a review. You didn't know there was going to be a test, did you, from last week? Uh, when the angel shows up, is that a big deal? Yeah, doesn't, it's rare, right? Remember? It's not frequent. It doesn't happen all the time. And it was a terrifying experience when an angel showed up. 
Remember I said it's kind of like, you know, meeting one of the all geared up heavenly special forces angel with wings and armor and they are about getting it done. And they're always telling people what? First thing they say. Don't be afraid. Because everybody was terrorized by seeing this kind of a heavenly figure that just kind of pushes them back. It's an ominous, intimidating creature. Warriors with wings, messengers of the Most High God. Well, last week we spent our time in uh, Luke 2, 8 to 20. Uh, That's the third announcement of Jesus' birth. And that was an announcement to a whole group of country folk, shepherds, who hid out, who lived out in the fields taking care of sheep. Kind of remember that unseen group out there, those invisible people that nobody paid much attention to, except when they wanted their wool and wanted their mutton. Uh, but this was an announcement to the group out there. Kind of like getting a group text, Right. Announcement to a bunch. And the irony was, we talked about last week, here the invisible God, the Father, chose to announce the birth of His one and only Son to this marginalized and invisible people group. And then they got to be the first ones invited to the front row to meet the baby Jesus in a manger wrapped up in cloths in Bethlehem. But to understand the the role of angels... And we're not going to explore all of it because that would take quite a while. But just the role of angels in this story of the announcement of the birth of Jesus, we have to go back to Luke chapter 1 because Luke was pretty detailed. And if we go back to Luke chapter 1, around verse 28, it says this, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel. Now here we get a name, Gabriel. Now, I had to work that into my sermon because I have a grandson named Gabriel. <laughs> uh, and sent a Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. Boy, you'd be scratching your head, wouldn't you? Angel shows up and says, hey, greetings. And you're like, "Uh, okay, what do I do now? And remember, Mary is probably about 13, 14, 15 years old. Just a young teenager. says she was greatly troubled with his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. The angel said to her, here we go, do not be afraid. Mary, you have been found, you have found favor with God. Hmm. Okay, twice in just two little verses, he says, uh, you who are highly favored and you have found favor with God. Okay, Mary, relax. You are pleasing to the Lord. Kind of a calming part of his message. 
He shows up and usually, again, that fearful response, and it's like, hey, hey, God's, God's got his eyes on you, and you have his favor. That's a troubling announcement for a 13 to 15-year-old girl. Because, oh, by the way, Gabriel, he was one of the top generals of the army of the Lord. He wasn't a private. wasn't a buck private with little wings. He had big wings. He was one of the chief of the angels. God didn't waste this message on one of the privates or a corporal or even a sergeant. He sent the king of his hosts, top general. It'd be like the head of the joint chief of staff. Sent him to make this announcement. You are highly favored. This was a one-on-one encounter with the most powerful angel on the planet, you know, in the world, in the universe. The mightiest of angels. Yeah, you just imagine that. The mightiest of angels and a young teenage girl. It's kind of like, that's wild. I mean, do you ever read the Bible and go like, man, that's wild. That's kind of crazy. That's kind of pretty bizarre. But as you read a little bit further, um, it says, you're highly favored. I don't think Mary felt highly favored right then. Because she was scared. He could see she was scared. So he goes, don't be afraid. She's scared. She didn't feel highly favored at all. Felt kind of overwhelmed in in the presence of this mighty being that God had sent. Her response was, she was greatly troubled. You think? (laughs) You know, of course, you would be too. And wondered what kind of a greeting. Whoa. And then when he explains what his message is, uh, he says this, You found favor with God, and you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Like, wow, that's a lot to swallow. And I can imagine, you know, if we just put it in our words, Mary is probably along the line of going, like, whoa, I've never heard anything like that before. I mean, I don't think that's ever happened before. Now, we don't have it recorded here, but I think we can imply some things as we read the text. I can, you know, Gabriel probably, his response was, well, it's a first for me too. Because I've never made this announcement before. This is the only time in history he shows up to share with who would become the mother of the living God. Yeah, this is, wow, this is this is pretty radical kind of a message. And he goes like, I know, yeah. But I've been sent from the Most High God, whom you found favor with. Gabriel is reassuring to her. And this is how he does it. She says, how can this be? This just doesn't make any sense. I'm still a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Holy Trinity, 
will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then he reassures her with this. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who is said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible for God. Okay, she got the message that there's going to be a miracle conception. You know, she's a virgin, never been with a man. A miracle conception. That's never happened before. And hasn't happened since. Again, a one of a kind. And kind of reeling from that kind of information from this angel who's just delivering the message. He didn't come up with the idea. He didn't come up with a plan. That was a plan that was put together by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They looked back in time and looked ahead to see us and devised a plan for the saving of us all. That was their plan. He is just delivering the message. And then what he shares with her is, oh, by way, uh, I think it was her cousin, Elizabeth, who's been barren all her life, never been able to have a kid in her older age. By the way, she's six months pregnant. Okay, another shocker for Mary. Go like, what? Elizabeth? Her too? I think that was meant to reassure her. This is something that God is up to. This is a plan that you did not see coming. But God has seen it in the past and looking forward. This has been a long time building to this moment. And if you were to go back and read all that's written in the Old Testament, there are so many images that build a momentum to this moment in time where the Savior of the world makes his grand entrance as a little infant. The whole Old Testament brings you along. You hear prophecy after prophecy announcing, this is going to come someday. Isaiah 7.14 says, there's going to be a virgin who's going to conceive. Every Jewish little boy and girl knew that. So Mary would have been like, I've kind of heard stories told about that. I just didn't think it would be me. And yet she's the one who found favor with God. God selected her. The angel's message, while detailed and disturbing, was something that Mary's response, I think, is so unique. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Okay. I'm in. Think about that. A 13 or 14 year old teenage girl saying, okay, sign me up. I'm in. If this is what God wants and has planned, and I'm a part of that plan, okay. You ever run into things in your life that you didn't think were going to happen? You did not expect? They weren't a part of your plan, but ended up being a part of God's plan. 
You see, sometimes we don't see what's coming, but God does. And this is where we have to trust him. And by the way, what the, what the angel said earlier in the first part of his greeting, greetings to you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. He's got your back. He will not say, okay, here's the assignment, go take care of it. It's like, no, no, no. I'm with you. We're going to walk through this together. Lean into me. Trust me. And sometimes when we find a a detour in our plan, and we think it's a detour, and God's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I saw this back here. And I saw it coming here. I'm with you here now, just as much as what is, was what it was back here. I got your back. I'm with you. And Mary's response was, uh, "May it be to me as you have said." And then the angel's gone. I mean, these guys show up, bam, they're there, do their thing, and then they're out of there. And Mary's sitting with that, going like, what just happened? Left to chew on that, left to ponder that. And that's how angels showed up sometimes. They showed up with a message, did their job, got there, got out. Because angels always know it's not about them. I mean, we, you'd be wild by an angel if one showed up. If one showed up standing on the stage behind me, let me tell you, I, I would not even exist here as far as that because all of you would be paying attention to what's going on behind me. Okay? But the angels knew the message was not about them. It was about delivering and serving the God and delivering the message that he had given to them. To give to who? To give to those of us who've been chosen, who share the favor of the Lord. God had a plan that Mary knew nothing about, but she submitted to the Lord's plan. Okay, I'm yours. Let's do this. Now that was the that was the first announcement. The shepherds was the third announcement. So where was the second announcement from an angel? I don't see anything about Joseph and Luke. Because it's not there. You've got to go to Matthew. And people often say, well, why, why, why don't these just all look alike, these, these Gospels? Well, different writers... God had given them a different purpose and a different audience. Matthew was writing to a primarily Jewish audience. And you know what Jewish audiences were interested in? Genealogy, you know, like pedigree. They want to know, oh, where did he come from? Who's he related to? And see the generational breakdown. And if you look how the book of Matthew begins, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, the son of Abraham. That's how he starts his gospel. And goes, I'm not going to read all those names for you. You 
<laughs> You're welcome, because I will mispronounce a bunch of them. But it's 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 generations from the exile of Babylon to the birth of Jesus. What what Matthew was doing for his audience, Jewish audience, he was nailing this down in history. That's one thing that we have in our faith. Christianity is nailed down to history. We have it, and it can be verified in, in this book as well as other books around that go like, yeah, that, those are all the generations. There's historical facts that put all this together. So Matthew's point was saying, this is grounded in history. This is Jesus' pedigree. He is of the line of King David, because that was also the prophecy. And then he starts in verse 18, and this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. No mention of an angel. No mention of the conversation that Luke took a lot of time to give us the details of. How did Luke find all that out? Any ideas? Yeah, he talked to Mary. He was like an investigative reporter. Mary, what was, do you remember? (laughs) Yeah, let me tell you what that was like. Yeah, he actually interviewed Mary. When, when, when Luke was writing the book of Acts, he also interviewed Paul, who gave him a lot of the details of the book of Acts. So there's lots of history tied in there. He went to the source, the original sources, so he could get the story right. He wanted to get it right because Luke was a scholar who paid attention to details. And he was writing to a Greek audience, primarily, that wanted to know all those details. He wasn't worried so much about pedigree, but Matthew was about pedigree. So here, he just simply says, uh, she was found to be with child uh, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord, there we go again. An angel of the Lord shows up this time in a dream. And said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not, do not be afraid. Here we go again, right? Even in a dream, he's telling him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Here's the quotation from Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Kind of like the angels report to Mary that emphasizes specifically, it says, hey, the Lord is with you. Jesus will be God with us. God in a man suit. He came to take on flesh so we could see what God looks like in human form. 
And then Joseph awoke. Here's what's amazing. Joseph awoke and did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He awoke and did what an angel told him in a dream. That was a pretty impressive dream. Again, meeting an angel, getting a message from an angel, that's pretty radical stuff. But when he told Mary, uh, you're not going to believe what happened. I got the word from an angel in a dream. She says, well, that sounds similar to me getting the word from an angel. I'm going to get pregnant and uh, I haven't been with anybody. And then once they do get to Bethlehem, here come the shepherds and saying, oh, by the way, the angels announced to us that we thought we'd show up and celebrate the birth. God puts all those pieces into place. Angels are heavenly messengers that God sends at radical times to communicate a radical message of what in the world is he doing? They're servants of the Most High God. And like Mary, and like Joseph, we are called to be servants of the Most High God as well. Mary said, hey, let it be to me, I'm all in. Let it be to me that you say, I'm, in, I'm willing to step through this plan that God has. Joseph hears the word, says, okay, I'll obey. They'll obey the command of the angel. They were never the same after their encounters with angels. Think about that. Shepherds were never the same. They went back to the fields praising God and telling everybody about it. And people were going like, wow, what in the world happened to these guys? Mary obeyed, but she also tucked a lot of that in her heart and said she's treasured up all of this. You know, kind of like sometimes when you treasure things and you think about them and you sit and you kind of go over and over and jot some notes to yourself, maybe write a little journal to remind yourself of what took place. She treasured and pondered these things in her heart. Joseph, it's clear from what he did, He became that dedicated, trustworthy, and supportive husband of Mary. He protected his wife and his son, and he provided for them, even though Jesus was not his blood. He was truly on a mission from God that had been communicated through an angel. So the challenge, I think, for all of us is, when we read these stories... They're really quite unusual. They're talking about an event that is way out of the norm. But basically, it changed the course of history for the shepherds, for Mary, for Joseph, and for the rest of the world, including us. The question is, will you return to normal life and just, oh well? Or will you be like shepherds who praise God and glorify Him and share the good news as you know it? Will you ponder things in your heart like Mary and take some time to journal and write things down that the Lord's communicating to you through His Word? 
Or like a Joseph who obeyed the commands of the Lord and was strong and supportive to his wife. And the plan that God kind of dumped on him that he had no way of knowing until an angel showed up. I would dare say that most of you have not met an angel. I haven't. At least not one knowingly have I met an angel. The book of Hebrews, I believe it is, says some of us have met angels unawares. Hmm. You never know. But angels, just because you haven't seen one, doesn't mean they don't exist. Just because you haven't heard from one doesn't mean they aren't still very active. Because later in the life of John, not John the baptizer, who announced who Jesus was, but John the apostle, who was the last apostle standing, who got exiled to a rock in the Mediterranean called Patmos, a little island, That's where he got exiled to for the rest of his life. All of his buddies were killed for their faith. He's the only one that survived and lived out his time on this island. And an angel shows up. And that's where we get the last book of our New Testament. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. It wasn't the angel's plan, but God sent the angel to communicate to John. Okay, John, time to write. Let's go, buddy. You're on this island. This wasn't your plan. Part of that he hated, being exiled to an island in the middle of the Mediterranean. A rock, basically. It's kind of like you're exiled to Alcatraz type of thing. He says, okay, while you're here, time to write. Because you need to get a message out that I have of what's coming. He made it known while sending his angel to his servant, John. Two servants ended up connecting, and we have the last of the book of Revelation that tells us what is yet to come. The part of the plan of God that we would not have known about except that had been for an angel and a cooperative servant who both served the Most High God. So when you see the candles... And you think of the angel candle. Angels had a very significant role in the first advent. The advent, the coming. The first coming of Jesus. They will have a significant role in the second advent. The second coming of Jesus. The first one, he kind of came in obscurity. A baby in a manger. But like I said last week, To me, it's like it was a beachhead, like a Normandy beachhead that announced, okay, this is the final leg of the war that's going to make sure that this is a done deal. Jesus shows up for the saving of all mankind. When he comes the next time, 
it will not be in obscurity. It says he'll be riding a white horse. And he will become with his armies behind him to finally make all things well. And I think you would agree with me, we certainly do need that, don't we? And that's why John gets to the end and prays, even so come Lord Jesus. When he caught a little vision of this, he's like, wow, I can't wait for that to happen. I worked for a ministry for a number of years, 29 years for our daily bread ministries. And one of the favorite sayings of the man who started what was our daily bread ministry started out as radio Bible class and then became our daily bread ministries. M.R. DeHaan had a favorite saying and his saying was this, maybe today he will come back for his own. Are you ready? Do you know him? Do people that you love and care about know him? Your little church here is a beacon in this community. You get to shine light when it's dark. Feels like it's getting darker, but that's when the light shines brightest in the darkness. That's who we are called to be. We don't need an angel to announce that. We have God's words to us that tell us he is for us, he is with us, he's behind us, and he's given us some orders that we need to obey. And I would encourage you tonight as you come to this Christmas season, yes, to celebrate the first Advent, but to look forward to the second Advent of our Lord. Because that's going to really be something to witness. And to know that we can be a part of that. By grace through faith. One of the things I would encourage you, those of you who have families, we try to uh, encourage our children growing up. We have three that are all adults now with their own. And we tried to find books that would encourage them so they could understand what this was all about. And sometimes it's hard to explain all that. One of the ones we found helpful, actually I have two here I want to talk about briefly, because sometimes it's nice to have something practical like that with your kids. Uh, Carl led us in some Christmas songs. This is a, a cool little book. This is called, this is by Ace Collins. This is the stories behind the best loved songs of Christmas. You get to hear the backstory. I didn't know till I read this that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, America's greatest poet, wrote one of my favorite Christmas carols, which was the last one we sung, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. I didn't realize that was written in the context of the Civil War. He was the guy, and I think you'll hear, let me just share one comment. I mean, this guy was tied in to great greatness in our country. I mean, he was looked at as the nation's poet at that time. 
And I think you could hear this that he's written even in that song, I Heard the Bells. He says, believe me, every man has his secret sorrows, which the world knows not. And oftentimes we call a man cold when he's only sad. He wrote that song in the middle of a lot of sadness. But the beautiful thing about that, it was like a psalm of lament. Do you realize there are more psalms of lament in the Bible than there are psalms of praise? The reason is because that's our experience. The struggle of life leaves us to lament, but we don't stay there. It draws us closer to the heart of our God who is with us, who is for us, who's behind us. But when it comes to sharing the story, often, you know, you begin the story. Well, this is how the Christmas story began. What I love about this book, One Wintry Night, is the illustrations. They're just great. This is written by Ruth Graham Bell. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> no pun intended. Well, yeah, it was intended. The wife of Billy Graham. She wrote this for her grandkids. And she goes through, see if I can do this and show some of the beautiful pictures in it, just briefly, but you can still find this on Amazon because I just checked before I came. Just some beautiful artwork in here. But it's a great story for kids because what it does, it takes them from the present. Little boy caught in a snowstorm gets to this woman's house and she shares with them, with him, how did this story begin? She takes him clear back to the Garden of Eden and takes it clear through to the birth of baby Jesus. You're like, how does all that fit? Well, get the book. And you'll be able to read it to your kids. You got grandkids. This is an excellent source to be able to read because it puts all the pieces together for them. And it has a very creative way and beautiful pictures that draw them through that story. But One Wintry Night by Ruth Graham Bell is an excellent resource for this time of year to help you begin to share this great story with the next generations. The other thing is, I'm, I'm a movie guy. If you, uh, I attend Ada Bible Church, and for the last 18 to 20 years, uh, I've been doing a men's movie night every th- first Thursday during the school year. So October through May, the first Thursday of every month, I show a movie for guys. Nobody knows what it's going to be except me. Because I don't want anybody to go, oh, I've seen that one. I'm not coming. I want you to sh- want them to show up because we watch a film together and then we kind of take it apart. We kind of have a discussion about what did you see? What did you learn? How does it push you to grow? How does it challenge you? How did the men in the, in the world change, and men in the movie change and how did they handle the adversity going on? One of the best films around Christmas time that is a tradition in our home that we watch every year, uh, it's called The Nativity. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you 
to look for it. It is a great portrayal of exactly what Mary and Joseph went through. And it really just brings it to life. You can read it flat on a page, but it helps you visualize to get a better idea of what they went through, of the scorn and ridicule they both experienced because of her pregnancy before they were married and all the struggles they had getting down to Bethlehem and all the challenges and Herod trying to kill the baby. Everything. It covers all that. But it does it in a way that just helps you begin to visualize in the ancient Middle East what that was all about. It is very helpful to be able to visualize and then it stimulates discussion with your children. So there are times when there are good films out there that will do that. Uh, Last year, a film came out called I Heard the Bells. It is the whole backstory of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and how he wrote that beautiful Christmas carol that we sung a little earlier. Extremely well done. I'd highly recommend it. That's actually the one I showed this past first Thursday. So there are some good sources out there that will really be helpful to you to be able to share that story to glorify God and recenter things back on who is the season all about. And I would encourage you to take advantage of those. And I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Let me pray for you. Father God, we are grateful, so very grateful, that you are a generous God, that you, your son stepped out of glory and laid aside his glory to come to earth, to become a man, humbled himself, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, so that we could be saved by grace through faith. And I pray, God, that you would continue to encourage us to be reflect your light. We are not the light, but you would encourage each of us and give us the courage and the strength and the grace to reflect your light in the world around us. And there's no better time to do that than this Christmas. Pray that you would bless each individual and each home Whatever the story is, Lord, to know that you are engaged and you are involved and we can always lean and depend on you. Thank you, Father, for what you will do in each and every one of our lives because we have prayed in the most powerful name of Jesus Christ, your Son, and our soon-coming Savior. Amen.